And welcome to another edition of Odyssey House Journals. I'm Trip Mitchell, and that is Randall Carlisle. Still. If you watched last week's show, isn't it amazing we got our clothing into the dry cleaner? And had it and all cleaned, and we look exactly the same. I have not aged more than half an hour from our last show. See, what he's getting to, and this is a show about honesty, because you need to be honest if you're going to be in recovery, is that we tape two shows back to back. And so I just blew your whole... Your whole little comical line there, but isn't that ridiculous? Or we could bring we could bring a different shirt and change between the two. So the know. best story about the difference between men and women in the news was an anchor down in Australia who wore the same suit for three hundred and twenty straight shows and didn't get any criticism. Yet women anchors have if they wear the same dress once every three weeks get crap. I worked with a, a guy who did the same thing at KUTV, Terry Wood. I'm, a lot of people remember him. He works for the DABC now. Uh, he's on the other side of the fence. He's isn't on he? the other side of the fence, and he uh, he only had like three or four different colored sport coats. And at the time, he didn't have to ever stand in front of a monitor or anything, so he just wore jeans or shorts or whatever, and he would just change his tie. And the sport coat color every day or whatever, and nobody ever noticed it. He just wore the same stuff all the time. But women, people call you out right away. And the other unfair thing in the news business is that men can keep their anchor jobs much later, by and large, than women, which is really unfair. Men can have a pot gut. Nobody says anything. And the second... I I happen to know there's... I know of, uh, of an anchor who is who is pregnant right now, who gets a lot of grief online saying, the clothes you're wearing make you look too fat. You ought to wear something else when you're pregnant. Uh, People are horrible, aren't they? Well, it's terrible. I had a, I mean, you've got to have a pretty thick skin. That's Maybe that's why I drank. But I had a person who hated the fact that I have a mole on my chin. And she would write in almost every single day saying, I'm never going to watch the station because that mole on your chin is so ugly. And I got to the point that I actually went to a doctor and asked him how, how much, if he could be removed and how much it would cost. And it was too serious of an operation, so I didn't have it removed. But Why would the station manager let you read a letter like that? Well, I don't, I think it came to me. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's why, you know. Because but, in many cases, and, and by the way, this is a show about uh, addiction and recovery, but Randall and I get a chance to share our experience of 60 years See, and, and, and those things make me so angry because it, I'm a news guy at heart. And I wish people would just watch the news and think about the content. And obviously the person delivering it has to be at least attractive or acceptable to somebody. But they don't have to be a sex goddess or, 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 or have the most up-to-date clothes. I mean, what's important is what they're saying. And people don't look at it like that anymore. It is a different, and you look at network news, CBS has an older demographic, right? and Laura O'Donnell's doing it now, but the reporters are all mature 40s, 50s, and 60s. If you watch ABC, it's a bunch of himbos. They they do have a lot of young people, and they're number one. So what what can you say? I was doing the 6 o'clock business news down in Vegas, and I forgot to take my makeup off after a show. Drove to hockey, was skating around before the game, and someone comes up and goes, Mitchell, you're wearing makeup. And then someone else skates by and goes, you need more. And that's when I decided yeah, well, never again. There you go. Did you ever get caught out with your makeup? And Makeup was so mild for men because we had makeup professionals who came, didn't put it on every day but came by and, and told us what kind of makeup we needed and everything. And it was, it was so mild, and as long as you blended it in, unlike 
Some people you see on TV, like from the White House, who have a line that goes down like this, from orange to, ba to skin tone. I, I shouldn't say that. We'll probably get a lot of comments. But I, I don't like you talking about Obama that way. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. Uh, but, I, but I had it, but if you just smoothed it in, and, and it, was, it was no big deal, and it wasn't that different than, what, than the way you looked without makeup. But It just took off the shine with, from the lights. But so, when high def came along, that was even better. They, it was less makeup, the better. Because if you caked on makeup with HD, uh, you could see the makeup caked on. And, I, and we all thought it'd be worse, that you'd have to wear more makeup. But when HD came, you wore even less. Wow. Yeah. You know, I learn stuff from there you every go. time. Now, this has nothing to do with what we're talking about. We're this is a program about addiction and recovery, right? Yes, and we uh, get a chance each week to meet with people who have had challenges, overcome them, and talk about how their sobriety is affecting people. And we've met some amazing people through this 50 shows. And, and we have another. I'm, I'm going to think up a sexy tease before we introduce I, I did it last week. Uh, I'm, uh, six, uh. <coughs> and again, this is an anchorman writing up in his brain. But before we get started, what we, we're going to give out a number that Randall's going to give out, I should say, uh, to Odyssey House. And if you've got someone who in your family, a friend who's got an addiction problem, whether it's you or, or someone else, give that number a call. Because in the state of Utah, we're incredibly lucky to have just some amazing people who want to help. And both Randall and I are in AA, which is a no-cost program where people volunteer and give back. And this show with Lee, our director and, and producer, and Randall and I, we volunteer. This is our way of giving back to the community because many people have, have reached out and helped us. You promised me we'd be paid at some point. At some point at is the year 2027. Right. <laughs> the number is 801-322-3222. Wonderful. And now for that sexy tease. I'm trying to think. Uh... If you drove down in the block area many years ago, you might have seen her dumpster diving or buying heroin. Okay. Wow. So, ladies and gentlemen, I, I, are you offended? Rachel Santizo. We've got a studio audience. <laughs> Rachel, thank you for coming out. I thought on. you could say something else, though. I was laughing over there. What did you think I would say? Something about the All-Star Inn in North Temple. Oh, we... we <laughs> Well, I don't know how to respond to that, but <laughs> the the All Star the All Star Inn on North Temple is frequented by many drug users and homeless people when they get a few, when they get a few bucks in their pocket, right? Right. And on a good night. And mm -hmm. a good night, and you 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 stayed there. We joke about it. I say I'll meet right. you at the All Star Inn. Mm -hmm. Is that not a Marriott? Well, it was for me back then. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. It, 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 it's, it's nowhere near a Marriott, but, and yeah. we joke about it. We work together in the same office at Odyssey House in the marketing department, uh, and we, I, we joke. And I said, on New Year's Eve, I run into Sweet at the All-Star, so I'll see you then. You know, so. it's, it's fun to be able to talk about your past like that. Yeah. And in, I, and, in the light of it. And, and, and you, you might be offended at home when I say you might have seen her dumpster diving and, and buying some heroin, but, but Rachel readily admits that. And, and I, I wouldn't say it if, if, if you don't, if you don't, don't willingly talk about it yourself. Right. I'm not offended by it. I feel like we should talk more about our situations and things that we go through to bring real light 
to what it really is and really and what you can do about it as well. So talk, I'm talk, not offended. Talk about that's your cool. and, and speak up so the microphone picks you up. Okay. okay. Even though you're recovering from a cold, see that's the microphone down there. Hi, microphone. You, you don't necessarily have to wait <laughs> to it, but that's very nice. So you build up a microphone. I'm not sure what to do. Okay. Tell us a little about your your past life, uh, which which is you know, and I I know all about it, but it but it, it's fairly horrific. So, uh, my past life, I would start out that it it started with childhood trauma, like, and I didn't realize all these things, but. I lost my dad, my brother, my sister, my son, and my best friend all within six years, starting at the age of 15. And um, I felt like I had to be strong and on top of the world. And that's, that's what I did. I became a mom very young and I just hid everything away. Like I just wanted, I wanted to be that person, that courageous, fierce female. And so I just hid it all away. And then when I was about 24, uh, my doctor started prescribing me Lortabs. Why? Um, for fibromyalgia. Which is very painful. It is. <laughs> um, but I, I don't have fibromyalgia. <laughs> so to me, it was stress. Like my, my back hurts, my body aches. It was stress. Write um, you a script. Write you a script. Right, right. <clears throat> and so for some reason, I'm built in a certain way. So when I take a pain pill, I'm on top of the world. I would blow this interview away. I would clean this whole area before I even came in. It makes it... Well, I'm... <laughs> you got a pain pill? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I'm, I don't know why I'm built like that. Like, it makes me Part happy. of a good sobriety would be to clean anyway. Right, right. But anyway, exactly. Now, I digress. But this is years we're, we're okay, talking about. So go this. ahead. You really so, hit it off. Yeah, like, I. that's that's how I am. That's, that's just how I'm built. It. It fills all the voids that I've been searching for my entire life. It makes me feel happy and on top of the world. And so I felt on top of the world. I was taking pain pills. How to go? How to get to heroin then? Um, so how I got to heroin is I started. I remember the first time that I had um, withdrawal symptoms. I actually went to Cottonwood Hospital, and they told me I was having an anxiety attack. <laughs> I didn't know what I didn't know what withdrawing was. Like I had no idea. Um, and so then it came to light. I knew what was going on. And so I had a coworker that got morphine. And so then it was even better for me because morphine's stronger. So I got my meds and then I started paying for hers. And then once you start with those behaviors, like things just come into place. At that point, I, I did cocaine. Um, I did meth. But I didn't touch heroin. Heroin was like the not talked about. Like you were a serious individual sick individual if you do heroin all these other things okay but heroin bad exactly exactly <laughs> especially we, we draw the line yes and yeah. as you were saying that i go at least she's not at heroin so it, it's true it is true so we have all these stigmas for people in recovery but even when you're using it on the streets if you use the needle if you use heroin like you're kind of above or better or below in your addiction really? Oh yeah. Is absolutely. there so there's a caste system on the streets? There is. There what is. is the highest level of street drug use i mean what who are the people that are not envied but are looked up to um the dealer yeah 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 the dealer for for me back then if you injected heroin you were the ultimate scumbag but not only not only on the streets but your family and everyone around you Hmm. but if you snorted it or smoked it it was okay better 
Absolutely. Okay. And how about people, when you're on the street, when you're down there, people that are trying to help, are they looked at as schmucks? Are they good, caring people? You know, people coming down with food and clothing and that sort of thing, or marks? or. We didn't have that stuff back then. We didn't have resources. We didn't have people coming out to help. We didn't have, I never had someone approach me, ever. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. How about this? When a news guy, Randall Carlisle, comes down to do a story and you're out on the street, how did you look at things? Oh, you want to tell the truth? Like when I was sober? Uh, no, when you were when you were down there. How, oh, how did we, <laughs> so I, I mean, can I can actually give a true story about this. Okay. Um, I'll just I'll just go ahead and just throw it out there since we're on. She camera. hated me when I she first like met me. I didn't like and him. Here's why. why. Go ahead. This is because then this is where I get to grow and I get to learn is because so there's a homeless candlelight vigil every year for the homeless population. It's their funeral services. And I've been a part of this committee. For people who die on the streets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've been a part of this committee, and, and I'm very passionate about our, our homeless, our incarcerated, and our addicted. So I've read the names for, I think, the last five or six years now. And I think it was three years or four so. years three ago. Or four. Yeah. We always like to share a story because that's where that's where change begins, is the voices and the people and the, the realness and the rawness of what this really is. And they told me that Randall Carlyle was speaking. I was not happy. I wasn't. I was like, why is a news anchor man coming to share at the candlelight vigil? Mm-hmm. I was really upset. And then we fell in love at Pioneer Park. So this is why we say this is because and, he got and up go there. go to the all-star inn then. But yeah, I, know, but I know. We keep it classy. But, but um, explain how that turned. Her, yeah, and so I understand your there. thinking because yeah. here she is. Mm-hmm. relating to homeless people and street people and everything, and some anchor who's an overpaid anchors coming to speak to them. That what has the... no life situations, no yeah, addictions yeah, right. himself, right. nothing. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's funny because I know, Randall, you gave a, a talk last year down in Utah County at, at uh, Utah, Utah Valley, Valley University, yeah. mm-hmm. and you were nervous as heck about it. Yeah. Because yeah. it, it's weird when you're actually telling your own story. Well, mm-hmm. and, and go ahead and finish it. Yeah, so then when he got up there and he started sharing... Um, I fell in love with him and I knew exactly why he was up there and sharing. It was about a, a friend that we knew bones from the streets, but he also opened up about his personal story. Right. And that's when I fell in love. Like he's no difference and I shouldn't have judged, but I did. Like, I'm not afraid to admit that I judged. And then I went up to him afterwards and we've been really close since. And I made my amends to him. I told him. She said, I, I right. hated you, but, but you're okay. Mm-hmm. So. And I shared a story about a, a guy that I got to know. Uh, I chair an AA meeting down on the block every week. And I got to know this guy who had been a major meth dealer down in in, in that area. And he was, uh, I think, nine months clean. I couldn't even understand him the first meeting he came to. And when just before he was going to get his nine-month chip, he was diagnosed with terminal liver cancer. And... Uh, and I had gotten to know him really well. I got him into the homeless hospice, the in-between, and one day he just gave up, and he got a government check, and he went out and bought $300 worth of meth, which is a lot of meth, and put it in, and shot it all up at once and died in front of the Wigan Center down on Rio Grande just going through convulsions. So, so that was his way of saying, I don't want to deal, want to with, deal with this anymore. But, it, but that's the story I told as opposed to some spiffy anchor man with with makeup on and a, and a good suit coming up there. Yeah, yeah you protective. can. Protective. 
well, it, it it's a situation where you go through ha- just a horrible situation, and yeah. and you can never know. You look at someone, you can never know the challenges that they have. Right. And you know, alcohol is no different than drugs. It's mm-hmm. we can ruin our lives very easily. And yeah. a couple of weeks ago, the person who first took me to an AA meeting um, had done essentially the same thing. Just committed suicide by alcohol. Mm-hmm. And this guy had some great sobriety, and this was 16 years ago down in Vegas. And you learn about someone giving up, and it just... Sure. Cause yeah. When you see people at their low and you see them at the high, but alcohol and drugs are, are horrible. So what... Tell us about your how you got sober and, and got to the place you are now. What was the process? Um, so it was a long process. Yeah, there, there's... How much time do we have? Just kidding. Okay. So just the, the gist of it is I... Um, I ended up losing custody of my kids, rightfully so. I didn't feel that way in the moment, but I definitely <laughs> am super grateful for that today. But um, I was dating a, a guy that was in a gang, and so I started getting involved in that life. And I didn't, I didn't live in cars and on the streets. I slept under cars. That's where I felt safest is the frame it made me feel protected. And so I slept under cars for the most part. On good nights, it was the all-star end, but I sleeping under <laughs> It's it's true, but, um, under cars. And so I started getting involved in that life and he was very abusive, emotionally, physically abusive. And there was a, there was a moment that we had where I feared for my life and I felt, I feared for my life on many levels, but this one was loud and proud. Um, and I did what you are not supposed to do. And I called the police and that is just something that you do not do when you're on the streets. And I was, I was that broken and that scared that I, I knew if I didn't, then I wasn't going to be calling anybody ever again. Um, and so that's what I did. So I called the police and then I went to my mom's and I called the VOA every 15 minutes for two weeks until I could get a bed to get in there. And that's when my journey began. So you knew it was... Mm-hmm. And she's, she's fought a long battle, succeeded through Odyssey House, an Odyssey grad, mm-hmm. uh, in and out. And people come and go from the program, and, and she's one who left and then came back okay. and, and completed the program. And now you're working for Odyssey. I am. I am. So, so we're going to hear more of your story. We'll be right back. You're watching Odyssey House Journals. And welcome back to Odyssey House Journal's Trip Mitchell, Randall Carlisle. This is an interesting story. So, oh, she's a wonderful. Yeah. She's got a wonderful story, and and the great <laughs> thing about it is it has a happy ending, <laughs> right? It does. You know, well, it does. I'm sitting here with both of you. Yeah, it absolutely yeah, does. Yeah, what a what a schmoozer. <laughs> yeah, so, that sounded good. I liked it. So you were you were out on the streets. You, mm-hmm. you, you almost, By the way, sleeping under cars. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, I understand what she's saying. It's, it's security. The first, I mean, it's pretty hard to attack somebody when they're under a car. Yeah. And I was never afraid if it started because I was hoping it would. I was hoping that naturally I would overdose or naturally I'd get run over. Or naturally I, I didn't have the courage to take my own life. I didn't want to live. But I didn't have the courage. So if something happened, good. So not to take make light of this, but I'm a yeah. jerk. No, please What do. was the best car to sleep under? You want more? You are a jerk. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the, the lower ones. The lower because ones. Because people, so the tires, they keep people from seeing in, but you can see out. So if they're low, then I can put my face on the ground. So the first time that I, I went underneath a car this is, is after, go ahead, is after um, I was hit in the face. 
so I, I, I've been, I was pistol whipped. And when I, I went under the car because I was fearing for my life and I, I put my face on the concrete and it was cold. It felt like an ice pack on my face. And then I could see if anybody was walking, but nobody could see me. And that was my first introduction to sleeping under cars. And that was my safety. And yeah, we're talking about the bad part of her life. We're going to get to the good part. We don't have that yeah. much time left. But the but the the point of all this mm-hmm. is to show that no matter where you are in life, you can recover. Right. You know, exactly. if you work on it. Yeah. You know, and, we and, all have a story. Right? And you're a prime example. So yeah. now, uh, okay, she goes. It took several years, but she goes through Odyssey. How she graduates on condensing all this, yeah, and go ahead. then she starts working in outreach at Odyssey. Mm-hmm. And and what she's doing now is pretty cool, is because you describe what you're doing in jails, prisons, and hospitals. Yeah, I'm a very this is lucky so cool. girl. Well, I, I also want to point out, after two and a half years, I regained custody of my kids back. Fantastic. So I'm, I'm, I'm a very, I feel like I'm a lucky girl because some people make it and some don't. And so to be able to sit here, I just honor those moments. Um, and I'm going to be a grandma in February. I'm so, wow. I know. I'm so excited. But now I get to go do outreach. And outreach, it's such a beautiful job. And especially for Odyssey House because Odyssey changed my life and saved my life. And so it's a pretty selfish role in a sense because I'm able mm-hmm. to give back what's been given to me. What it does for me is far more than what I could do for anybody else. And so today I get to go. I run groups in the jail um, at Oxbow and ADC. I run groups in the prison and I teach classes out there. And I go to the hospital, so my main my main population in the hospital is pick line clients. Which are? So it's individuals that need antibiotics, and it's usually due to dirty drugs or endocarditis, but it's used to IV drug use. And so they, they get a line that goes into their heart, and it stays attached, and they have to keep it for two to eight weeks, depending on the infection. And so for me, it's this same feeling as if you're incarcerated. You're behind four walls and you're not receiving any type of services. So what about the hospitals too? When people are sitting in there, they're racking up their bills, which are the same barriers, <coughs> keeping people sick. And so why not give them the opportunity to get treatment services? It's more like a window of opportunity for change. Now, ultimately, the people need to want it, um, but those are my people. We had Jamie Shaw, if you remember that, several yeah. weeks ago, yep. and he was the first pick line person to come into our program and then complete the program. What a wonderful man. And yeah. Rachel's the one who lined that up. Yeah. So. so in this situation, you're out seeing people at their lowest, You're, and you're a pretty amazing vessel to show that change can happen. And But some people, so some people say it's at their lowest, right? So I feel like people are broken. But see, I get the honor and opportunity of meeting people for who and where they're really at. So when you see somebody that's super vulnerable, there's there's no plastic, there's no fake this, there's no anything. You get to see a human being. And so I actually get to see people for who they really are. And that's why I feel like sometimes it's kind of like selfish because I'm a very lucky girl to be able to meet people and really see someone for who they are. Not anything, any noise clouding it whatsoever. And it's funny because in life we many times try oh, to sure. hide, you know, through a car, through clothing, yeah. through a gift of gab and BS. Right. Who we really are. Exactly. She's, because we don't have faith in that we're good people. Exactly. And she's talking to people in jail 
uh, and in prison. Yeah. And and what I mean, what when you when you go into it's a it's a, it's another Odyssey program called Dogs that we do in the in the county jail. Uh, and what do you when you talk to people? What I mean, what are your dealings like? What are they talking about? Um, I think I think the biggest thing is is because it's in the general population throughout the jail, so anybody can come into this group. And I like to meet them where they at, where they are at because I think I know a lot of things, and I've been doing this for a while. But things change, right? And so I learn more from them. And so the biggest things is they don't they don't think they have options. They don't think that there's funding out there. They don't know about like aftercare. There's so we have such a beautiful family community here that people are just unaware of, and it's that connection piece that that people lack, and they don't know where else to go. They only know what they know, whether if it's street drugs, whatever that mentality may be, the gang life. There's just so many things, but ultimately we all have this commonality, and it's wanting to feel a part of and supported and just loved and good enough. She's a very uplifting person, as you can tell. Oh, yeah. She's so very. You guys, sure, you guys have an office with three people, or I've, we have five we have people five actually people in our, our office. office. But so, uh, mm-hmm. a lot of, lot of sobriety and a lot of yeah, good very, people. Very much yeah. so, and yeah. and and we feed up off each other too. But it, mm-hmm. again, you can see why, why Odyssey likes to hire people who are in recovery, in long term recovery, because we understand it better. She. I mean, if you pulled somebody who didn't know anything about it and told them to go into a jail and talk to people, <laughs> then, I mean, it'd be, yeah. it'd be and, horrendous. And, and we talk about this, but, you know, someone can be the smartest person from Harvard. Right. But if you've never slept under a car. And chances are most Harvard graduates probably haven't. It's true. It's very true. You know, unless they're camping. Well, or if they went to a bar and tied, tied one up. But even, but I, no, no matter how drunk I was, I never slept under a car. It so. is. It's that commonality. It's, yeah. a, it's that yeah. space to be vulnerable with who we are and share those common experiences. Do you ever, when you are talking to someone, have you seen that light go on in their eyes? Mm-hmm. Is that the best feeling in the world? It is. It absolutely is. So especially when you go into the jails and you have people that come from the gang life, they, um, they have a problem with with our encounter process. So it's basically holding people accountable. And so I have a lot of um, going back and forth about our encounter process. And then when it clicks with someone and they understand, lives have changed. And it's a beautiful thing because that's how you learn boundaries. And that's how you learn in your space and how to keep it. So it's it's those growing and those learning things. But yeah, absolutely. She She's one of the most amazing, caring people I've ever met because... If she just accomplishes, if she, if she talks to 10 different people in a given day and and one person sees the light, not necessarily to come to Odyssey, but, but she helps mm-hmm. one person, she comes back into the office like somebody had given her a new car or something. It's, guess what I did? You know, and it's, <laughs> and you're so yeah. sincere and I you're so it. wonderful to work with because, because I mean, she just, you, you. you enjoy doing this yeah. and getting paid for it too. It's, it's giving me purpose. Right. Like I, I had purpose of being a mom and then I lost that, you know, I I gave it away. And then now I have purpose again. And when somebody has purpose, they feel like they can conquer the world and they want to and they want to give back. And so it's that purpose piece. That's fantastic. So your day is spent going out and talking to people in pretty horrible situations Mm -hmm. and giving them a chance to change their life. Yeah, absolutely. You've got the best job in the world. I do. I love it. I really do.
Randall, uh, we have met so many amazing people on this show. I know. I, I That's why I love working at Odyssey, because there's, I mean, she's one of the most amazing people I've ever met, even though she hated my guts at first. Right. But, you know, well, you had good taste. Very true. Yeah. But then we ended up at the All-Star Inn and everything was fine. So, but, but, but you get to work with so many people who have the same thoughts and everything, and some are not as necessarily as dedicated as she is, but... But but we're all doing the same thing and working mm-hmm. for the same purpose, and it's well, it's very rewarding. And amazing. Randall, this has been fifty some odd shows. And we're going to keep on going. For those of you who have questions, we're going to give out a phone number right now, and that's for Odyssey House, where they have some great people standing by. And it's not to recruit people to Odyssey House, but call, get some questions, use it as a resource, sure. or get some other numbers. And the number is eight zero one three two two three two two two. And now our favorite part of the show, two old white guys will give you advice on how to watch our show digitally and to friend us. Go ahead. Uh, you can watch it on uh, <laughs> YouTube. Well, see, I'm an old guy, and so you can watch it on uh, Odyssey House Facebook channel, Facebook, and Odyssey House YouTube channel. And, and Channel 17 on Comcast, yes. thanks to Bill Francis. And you can listen to us on iTunes and Spotify. And wow. We freaking and we're, and we're listening. People listen to us all over the world. Iran, we've got quite Iran, a few listeners. I, in you know, in we Russia. tape these shows ahead of time, and by the time this show airs, maybe we'll be in a war with Iran. I hope not, but or maybe we'll be at peace with Iran. Wouldn't so, that be nice? Yes, wouldn't that be wonderful? Well, you are a great guest, and thank you. I can, Leah has been or Lee, Randall has been just yeah. raving about you. Lee is our producer director, by the way. Thank you, Lee, for Hi. everything you do. And he's been raving about you, and I can see why. Thank you. Thank you. That means I get a lot to work to with her every day. Well, I get to work with Lee. Well, I mean, okay, take your pick. Lee or Rachel. <laughs> okay. I got Rachel. Okay, okay. good point. <laughs> Thanks for watching. We'll see you next time. Goodbye, everyone.